Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is Jim in L.A. with Sid in L.A. Our podcast is sponsored by AT&T, mobilizing your world. Uh, Sid, are you on the other line? I sure am, and forgive me if there's some banging in the background. It's uh, And meowing. The cats are locked up in the room with me because we have construction workers all over the house, but we should be all right. I thought it was the aftermath of your birthday party. Happy birthday, Sid. Uh, birthday was oh, yesterday. Oh, yes, you know me, these crazy birthday parties that we have. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like you. I took it off Facebook a couple years ago because I kept getting all these messages I thought I had to answer from people I hadn't heard from in years, and so it was socially awkward, so I thought I'll just take my birthday list off my Facebook. So it makes life it's much funny. easier. I wasn't, I wasn't complaining about it. I was telling Dan yesterday that Facebook makes birthdays kind of a chore because it's wonderful to hear from people and you feel – you know, that people are thinking of you, but some of the messages I got trying to respond to them was just, it took a lot of time. Yeah, I know it does. And then you feel bad if you don't. So anyway, I just figured the easier thing, since they don't mean the whole lot to me, was just to take it off. So um, anyway, so happy birthday to Sid. And we're almost in June, which is Pride Month. And in two weeks, the two of us will be in Portland for the annual LGBT Sports Summit, which will be good. And, uh, we have a lot of stories coming up in June uh, in honor of Pride Month, and so keep watching for that. But our good old friend religion is back on our today's podcast. It always seems we talk about religion in some ways lately because it's kind of a hot-button topic. And uh, one story we did, uh, Sid had a good interview with the guy at Seton Hall who was fired for, was he supporting same-sex marriage? The Seton Hall priest. Yeah, well, he just all, all it wasn't same-sex marriage. All he did was uh, was was post uh, a message from the No Hate campaign, and 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 that's what started it. Anyway, and he at Warren Hall, uh, you know, is gay, and and gave a really good interview about that on Outsports. So that was sort of the one religion story we had that was a follow-up from something we had last week. And another one happened uh, of all places, Clemson in South Carolina where the head football coach, Dabo Swinney, uh, discovered he was going to be, he was selected by the something called the Palmetto Family Council um, as their South Carolina family champion of 2015. And it was a dinner that was going to be held this coming Tuesday. Well, the Palmetto Family Council is not a religious group, but it's a lobbying group. And they do, like a lot of lobbying groups, some good things. Of course, they're against child abuse. Who isn't? <laughs> Uh, but their main goal is stopping gay rights. I mean, that's their that's their number one agenda item. They're against same-sex marriage. They're against a bill in South Carolina that would uh, make non-discrimination illegal against people based on sexual orientation. So um, it was really bizarre that uh, Swinney would like have get this award and, and and basically go on and seem to endorse this uh, this group's beliefs. It caused a backlash. It was a change.org petition started to get him uh, to go and yesterday he decided to not attend and, and issued a statement that said um, he had no idea he was being invited into a political controversy 
It was my understanding that the nomination was for his work done by a foundation he had, and, you know, he didn't want to be a distraction. And let's see, he said about the uh, my scheduled participation in this event has been perceived incorrectly as an endorsement of certain viewpoints and has entered the political arena. So he was basically kind of playing the victim, saying he had nothing to kind of do with all this. And uh, were you surprised how quickly he kind of uh, rescinded <laughs> going? Well, I didn't know what to expect. People kept asking me what I thought, and uh, I, I, I don't really know the guy. I don't know the atmosphere at Clemson particularly well, so... I, I really had no idea what to expect, uh, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't have been surprised either way if he had stuck to his guns and said I'm going, or, or if he, if he pulled out. But I know that the story was everywhere because people understand that the Palmetto Family Council and all of these quote family councils were created in the late '80s, early '90s, specifically to stop the quote homosexual agenda, and. These are anti-gay organizations that hide behind the Bible. And, and, and I think people understand that. People understand this is not just some innocent church. This is, this is Westboro Baptist Church kind of stuff. This is, frankly, this is KKK kind of stuff where you, where you take a bigotry and just use the Bible to defend it. And, and, and that's what this group does. And so I wasn't surprised. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised either way, but I wasn't surprised given that people understand what kind of organization this is that he pulled out. Well, but also, and one thing I said before, they're not a real, people kind of give these groups a veneer of religiosity. This is a lobbying group. I mean, they hide behind the religion, but this is not some sort of church that is doing this. But anyway, it sort of led that whole argument about, you know, we had some people saying, oh, you're trying to deny Swinney his. First Amendment rights, which is always stupid. He has every right to say what he wants to say. He has every right to go to this event if he wants to, but we have every right to call him on it. And I think it shows how things have changed. Even in a place like South Carolina, this was becoming a little too politically toxic for him, especially since Clemson itself has sexual orientation added as a part of their non-discrimination policy. So if he goes to this, it clearly would have been an endorsement, despite what he wanted to say, it would have been an endorsement that, yeah, I support what this group is doing and I will help them raise money at their fundraising unit because getting the head coach of a major college football team as, you know, an honoree is going to draw people and is going to draw money. We saw that with Tony Dungy in whatever that family council was called in Indiana when he was coach of the Colts back about eight, nine years ago, where he actively raised money for that group and their delay, their lead cause was gay marriage. But it goes to this thing about, you know, what sort of what responsibility the coaches have when they are at a public university and they have a diverse student body that's going to clearly in, include LGBT people to not do this kind of stuff. Well, I, well, I think it comes down to what's right and wrong. And when Tony Dungy appeared at the Indiana Family Council, I think that's what it was, for a fundraising dinner to 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 support their efforts against same sex marriage, he did not back out. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk about that, and he said he stood up there on the podium, supported the organization, said he endorsed what they were doing, because he believed it was the right thing to do. And I think today 
people understand that these organizations and supporting them is not the right thing to do. If, if Sweeney thought in his heart of hearts that it was it was the right thing to do, he wouldn't have backed out. But it tells me that he did think it was that that he knows he knows that this kind of stuff isn't right anymore. And so I think when you when you get into what the role of a coach, what did a coach do? I think the, the coach needs to do what he thinks is is right. And I think ultimately he doesn't think this is right. I mean, this is this is a guy who's who's who baptizes his his players and injects religion into every part of the team. But when it came to this, he said in his heart hearts, I got to back away from this one because it's not right. Or maybe the administration had something to do with it too. I mean. You know, this was becoming an embarrassment to them because they were having to defend this event. Like you said, it was everywhere. It was one of these stories, college football so big, and especially in May where there's no games going on. Um, this became kind of catnip for people to delve into. And I'm kind of curious behind the scenes if anybody in the administration said this is not a good look. But it also shows even in a place like South Carolina, it's stuff's not it's stuff's people are to be called on it again. And, and you're right. Yeah. He could have stood up and said, I'm going, this is what I believe in would have been totally his right as a citizen to do that. But it also is our right to sort of criticize him for it. So I'm, I'm wondering, we'll never know the backstory of, of what, you know, what finally caused him to do that. Of course, of course, the administration had something to do with it. I, I, I the administration wasn't just sitting there twiddling its thumbs, wondering what Coach Sweeney was going to decide to do. There were meetings about this. There were phone conversations, clearly. And I'm sure the administration encouraged him to back out. But at the end of the day, if this was his conviction, if this is what he believed was right and the absolute right thing to do, he'd be going. But deep down, he and everybody else, including the Palmetto Family Council, knows it's not right. Who um, will have a good, strong opinion? Who clearly does not shirk from <laughs> stating what he says on the other line with us right now? Our good friend Anthony Nicodemo, um, head basketball coach um, at a high school in uh, suburban New York. Anthony, um, you've been following Dabo Swinney. What is your take on it? You know, hey guys, how are you? Hey, can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Okay, okay, good. Um, you know, it's. It, it, just reading the stories today and listening to some of it, you know, it, it, it just makes me think that people don't think, you know, I think that when you're in that type of position and you're getting paid that kind of money and you're really in some ways the face of Clemson, the football team, um, it just seems to me that, you know, you have to do things differently. You know, I know there's certain things as a leader in the community I can't do, even if sometimes I feel I should do them. And I think this is one of those cases. I think that, you know, as a leader in that, that community and recruiting kids, and it's just really the wrong message to send um, to everyone out there in the sports community and the, the Clemson community and in the South Carolina community. Well, Anthony, when, when it comes to you I mean, coaching kids, you are obviously way out front on LGBT issues. You write, a, you write about them all the time. You tweet about them all the time. Uh, you, you, I know you talk about them with your team. What's the difference between this guy going to to accept this award and you being pretty much just as politically active as going to an event like this? I think I think the difference is my 
my beliefs or my, the way I am and the things that I'm, I'm teaching my kids aren't hurting other people's lives, you know. I, I think that, you know, telling my kids that they have to be accepting or they should be accepting of someone and that there are different people out there is something that as they grow, you know, into manhood and become adults, they're going to have to deal with that. You know, they might have to go to work and have a transgender boss. They might go to college and have a gay roommate. These are things they're going to have to deal with on a daily basis where we are in society. I think with this particular situation is this, this, you know, this coach is going out and receiving an award from a group that is going the other route and saying that not all people are equal, that, you know, people, people shouldn't be able to get married, that people shouldn't be able to have the same rights, that people are different. And I think that at its whole and at its root is, is a big difference. You know, I think um, promoting equal rights for everyone and not promoting equal rights for everyone are two very different things. Uh, to me, it's a difference between being uh, inclusive and being exclusive. And I think these groups clearly are on the side of exclusivity. You can't have the same rights that I have. And they're actively pushing political things to stop people from having something that they, they benefit. So, um, again, no one's questioning their their right to have their free speech, but it's clearly our right to push back. And, you know, Swinney could have said, I'm going. I mean, no one forced him to, to do this. It wasn't like he was going to be fired if he did this. So um, he clearly must have looked at it and said, this is, you know, this is not the smart thing to do or the right thing to do or whatever. So I think that's and the difference I, think, I see with, between Andy. Good. I think I think you're giving him the benefit of the doubt with that, which and you could be very 100% correct. We don't know that. You know, you don't know if mm-hmm. somebody called him in or a booster or whatever it may be. You know, you're like I said, Sid and I, we've had this talk a million times about closeted basketball coaches. Is it going to affect your recruiting if you have a gay assistant coach? And I think it's the same thing here. You know, who knows if who knows if one of his players' brothers is gay? I mean, there's so many different things that all of a sudden pop into this that we might never know. That you know could have made him could have made him pull out pull out of this you know someone pressure you know uh, you know there's just so many different layers I think with this and like you said it's nice to give him the benefit of the doubt but the fact that you're even offering to take that award from the beginning kind of makes me think the motive and what what you know what he really feels like I said I think as leaders we all sometimes have to not necessarily stand up for what we believe sometimes because of what we do for a living. Um, and I think, you know, that could be the case here. He might very well be in bed with these people, and, you know, it's going to affect his recruiting. It's going to affect him negatively, his program, his school, so he has to tone it down a little bit. Well, certainly his statement was he did not say, I disagree. I, I think that everyone should have the right to marry the person they love. He didn't say that. He said everyone's taken out of, the, out of context, um, inappropriately distracting me and my team. That's not fair. Um, and because of that, I'm going to pull out. It really, he did not distance himself at all from this organization. In fact, he, the, the, essentially, the, the statement embraced the organization and blamed everyone else for misinterpreting his, his appearance. Yeah, he made it sound like, oh, it was all politics. It became political. Well, by ex- this group that he was getting the award from is political by its nature. It's not, it's not nonpartisan. It's political and it has an agenda. Well, that's I think it's easy for people in that movement for the either the anti-LGBT people. They always want well the gay agenda, right? You know the gay agenda, the gay agenda, and I think that's that's the easy spin on it. You know the liberal media, the liberal media is doing this, which is obviously complete nonsense. It's, e- it's easy to when you're going to use your religion for hate to to come up with this kind of excuses constantly. But 
at the end of the day, it's still, it doesn't matter if this is race, if this is sex, if this is orientation, you're still supporting a group that's not, you know, once again, Sid and I had this conversation yesterday, you know, if this was race, it's a, even a much bigger issue, you know, and this, but, you know, it happens, and you have to call people to the carpet, and I think where we are as society right now is it's such a hot-button hot topic that generally now people cower to the pressure and people back down from the pressure because it's just not worth the fight to them. And I think that's what you're seeing here, you know, and I think that hopefully what happens is the more public people that are forced to do this, that's where these organizations start to die because if they can't get people like this coach or other people out there who are figureheads who are famous people to do this kind of stuff, well, then their organization is not going to exist. One thing we were talking about is, is, is whether the administration stepped in and did something, which I, I'm, I'm sure is the case, but when you started being active, Anthony, on, quote, political issues, when you came out publicly and, and got attention and people wanted to know your opinions on things, you started tweeting more and more about these issues, did your administration pull you aside at some point and say, we need to talk about all this? You know, there was something early on. I don't remember exactly what it was. My AP called me and said that a couple of people had concerns about some of your tweets. And I don't, he didn't give me an example, and he wouldn't even tell me who it was. So I think it was kind of a non-issue. But, I mean, at this point, I've heard nothing, you know, and I, and I don't think I will because, once again, I don't think I'm ever preaching hate. You know, I don't think I'm preaching for people to not be treated properly. I think it's difficult for someone, for an administrator, to step in and say, hey, you need to stop tweeting this stuff when I'm tweeting about, you know, people being able to get married or people being able to, you know, Whatever it may be, so I, I I think that I think that there is a big difference there, and I think that if I private school or in a Catholic school, you know, like the priest from Seton Hall, well, they can kind of dictate that a little bit there. And I think in a public school, it's going to be very difficult for them to dictate my opinion on something that, and you know, hopefully, in another month is going to be a law, you know, a constitutional situation that's going to be approved by by you know the highest court in the land. How do you stop people from talking about that? Yeah, which I think was something that said, and I have said, this seems to be the last gasp of a lot of these groups because it might be in four weeks we could have same-sex marriage legal everywhere in the country. So um, I'm not sure what these groups wind up doing. They'll clearly find a way to keep raising money and um, and making money, but I'm not sure how their you know what their agenda is going to be if same-sex marriage becomes legal um, by order of the Supreme Court. Well, in a lot of ways, I think it might get worse. I think you see it all the time. You see homophobia as these issues become so much to the forefront. That's where you see, you know, a gay bashing or you see people get worse. And that's kind of the fear there is that, you know, people get even nuttier with this religious thing and, and you know, go to another level with it. Um, and you hope it doesn't come to that. But I think that, you know, that's the bottom line is people get desperate. When your back's against the wall, if these people feel their back's against the wall, their way of life is being changed. That's when people get, you know, really violent or really worse. So you hope that these groups kind of go away, but I kind of agree with you, Jim. I think that down the road, you know, we'll see another stage of this whole thing that is going to keep the need for our organizations to, you know, to be there. You hope that one day they don't need to be, but, um, you know, everything kind of comes back and kind of comes full circle and you see it again in just, you know, other ways. I think civil rights movement, you know, it kind of quieted down, but now all of a sudden we're in the midst of somewhat of a new birth of the civil rights movement with the police brutality and stuff. You know, it was quiet for a while. We didn't hear a lot. Now all of a sudden it's coming to the forefront again, and it obviously is something that still needs to be addressed. And I think that I'm sure somewhere down the road that's kind of where we'll be, you know, in the LGBT community. It was interesting when I was this past weekend, I was, I was with a couple of guys who said if, if we don't 
if we don't get the result we want for the Supreme Court, they're going to they're going to be in New York for the gay pride, and they're going to burn the city down. And, and they said that over and over and over again. They're going to burn the city down. We better get what we want, or we're going to burn the city down. And uh, you know, we talk about the about these people lashing out from the other side in their last gasp, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think these guys will actually do it. But I think you'll if if this is a big Supreme Court case because it, it somebody somebody's going to lose and somebody's not going to be happy about it. Yeah, and I just see that. I guess. Go ahead, Anthony. Uh, so, you know, historically, once it happens, you're talking so many years. I mean, as a social studies teacher, you know, we teach Brown versus the Court of Ed. That's 1954, you know, the, the, the separate but equal stuff that started, that was in, you know, 1896. So you're talking, you know, 50 years for return. So, you know, you, you, the Supreme Court doesn't hear cases. you got to have more cases. And I've had the privilege of becoming really good friends with one of the, you know, original marriage equality people here in New York who, who Edie Windsor's case was off and then the case now is off. And, you know, we talk about it all the time because they're pioneers in that movement. And God forbid if it doesn't happen, on the backside of it, you know, how long – until it would just be a huge step back for us. Yeah, let me shift gears for a second here, to, since we haven't had Anthony on in a while. Um, you guys were both at the Final Four, and uh, Sid wound up really writing a very good but a very depressing story about kind of the state of closeted basketball coaches and how and here I am thinking, well, things are getting better, and you're having, you know, even in South Carolina, a basketball coach or a football coach can't go to this without getting grief. And yet, you look at the landscape, Anthony, and nobody out in the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, or hockey, uh, the NFL, nobody out in major college football, one person in college basketball, no out college basketball coaches, men or women, I think, at the Division One level, or football. What What is this bifurcation going on where it seems society is much more accepting and, and, and you know welcoming, and yet people still stay closeted? Because it's still, it's still a story. Any of the cases you just said is a huge story. And people are afraid of the story. People are afraid. I know Sid hates that word, distraction. But people are afraid of, this, of the media that comes with it. We've talked about this with Derek Gordon forever. There's a school that doesn't want Derek Gordon homophobic because they don't want him because of the media that comes with him, not because they have a problem with Derek. The bottom line is you're still the first and the only one. You're going to be a story. And if you're a story, the other stuff that comes with it, and there's that just that fear with it of dealing with it, of having one person or one coach say, well, I don't want to deal with the media with this, and I don't want to do it. There's no possible way for any athlete to come out and to say, well, I'm going to focus on football. It's virtually impossible to do because you're going to have to answer questions about it. There's no way that you can't. You know? And then that becomes the issue. There's just such an underlying theme, and that's at any, that's at a college level, that's at a high school level. Uh, pro level, and I, I, I just believe that's the biggest thing. You know, I just someone at some point is going to have to really break that barrier. And you know, we want to all talk about Michael. You know, as important as Michael's coming out was, it was important, but it didn't get us over that hump that we need. You know, Michael needed to get drafted where he's supposed to, make a team, play in a game, get through a season, and that's going to open the door. And that's not what happened. It went the other way. You know, Michael got drafted later than he was supposed to. He got cut from a team. He ended up on a practice squad, and now he's playing in the Canadian Football League. 
that story didn't go the way any of us thought it was going to go. You know, it was like trial and error. So the next person that comes through needs to be the guy that gets over that hump, makes a roster. You watch him on 16 Sundays. And then all of a sudden, now the next guy comes out. Now the next guy. The second guy's not as big as a deal. The third guy's not as big as a deal. The fourth guy's not as big as a deal. And then that's when the dominoes, I think, will fall. And I think that Sid, with a lot of the stories at the high school level, it's been easier at the high school level because the scrutiny is not as hard. So that's why we've had so many high school kids come out. High school kids came out because of Jason and because of Michael. And it's a different scrutiny. You know, I'm not ever going to receive the scrutiny where I coach as if I was coaching the Knicks. Big difference. So I think that's where that's at. I just don't think that, you know, people are, are, are brave enough yet necessarily to come out and make that move and deal with the, the media circus and all the things that come with it. But in coaching, it has to be, I mean, if you're an athlete, at some point your career ends, and so you could then become, you know, have your private life and move on. But as a coach, do you really, I mean, do these guys really want to stay closeted for the next 30? I mean, you know, you know them better than I do. What's their mindset? Are they simply going to get out of coaching because you can't have this double life? I think they might get out of it. I really do. The I mean, I, I know most of the people in that article, and where they struggle on a daily basis. You know, some of them are dying to come to New York to come to Fire Island with myself or Sid or whoever's going because they've never, you know, they they, they don't know how to deal with this, so they want to get out of where they're at because they want to experience the things that at this point Sid for way longer before me, but the things that we are out there experiencing, and you know, eventually you have to pick. You have to pick. And if you don't have a coach who's supportive, or I said this forever about coaching, college basketball, you get the guy, the religious person, you know, like all one of these groups whose parents are, I'm not going to that school. That affects your recruiting, man. You affect your recruiting base. You don't want to make money. Guys get fired. That's a whole other level of what's going on here, I think, with that. But like you said, listen, I, I went to Fire Island this weekend for four days. I left on third, or Friday morning. My team knew exactly where I was going. I put pictures of the pool and of the ball on Twitter. Nothing inappropriate, but my kids know exactly what I'm out to, and they'll make you know, hey, coach, how was the weekend? You got tan, whatever it may be. And I think that's what everyone wants is to is to have these two worlds merge: your professional life and your professional life. There's a separate just to it, but it should never be totally separate because they intertwine so much. And I think that that's what these gentlemen, that's what these coaches need. They want these two worlds to intertwine, but they need that support from everyone around them to do it. What do you think next is with this this Dabo Swinney story? Is it is it dead? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I mean, because it's kind of the next the next step for me is look looking at the cultures that some of these coaches create for for other coaches. I mean, could 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 an openly gay player or or a gay player closeted really go to Clemson after this? Could could a, could a, how would a coach feel? There, but nobody's really talking about that. They're talking about the the, the the big furor of it, but not really how it really affects the kids and the other coaches on the team. Well, I seem and to think if the guy, if you get a kid who runs a four or five, I think the coach at Clemson will say, "Okay, you can do whatever you want to." The other way around, though, it's not whether the coach would accept the kid; it's how the kid would feel about the coach. Uh, yeah. I think. I think that it's obviously it depends on the kid. You, know, you get a really good kid that has offers everywhere. It's an easy story. But I think you look at a Derek Gordon as a great example of Seton Hall. They were an anti-LGBT school. They've had policies in effect. They didn't let a GSA on campus. You know, they just you know moved a priest because he was part of the No Hate campaign. And here's Derek Gordon waltzing and signing and saying, "I was comfortable and I really don't care." And, and I think that 
think that's the difference. If you get a kid who has 15 scholarship offers and he is closeted, he has the luxury to choose. You know, the other kid who's stuck and Clemson's the best offer he has, now, now you got a problem. You know, now the kid has to go there uh, under the, you know, assumption that his coach doesn't support LGBT people. And um, those are the ones that we get, right? Those are the emails. Those are the, the Facebook messages that we constantly get about how they're struggling to live in, in various places because of terminology their coaches use and all these different things like that. Um, you know, it's detrimental. This whole story is detrimental. It does go away, though. It's where it's located. It's in South Carolina. Um, which is not obviously a huge LGBT state anyway. So it'll go away, and, you know, it'll go away quickly, and no one will think about it. You know, that's kind of how it'll go. Um, if you would have chosen to go there, different story. It's like Indiana, right? If the Indiana thing didn't get repealed by the time we all got to Indianapolis, that's a much bigger story. But they got everything squashed on Thursday before everyone arrived for the Final Four, and it was a story, but it wasn't what it would have been. Um, that's the media cycle, right? I think it goes away, and I don't think it's a big enough story. In our community, it might be, but I don't think it's a big enough story nationally to keep it going. Well, we'll have to end it on that note. Anthony, thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you two weeks in uh, Portland. Um, and you can find Anthony on Twitter. And uh, Great, great, great. Twitch. So we'll see you in two weeks. And, Sid, um, I guess I'll talk. If I can get this music going, we'll be out of here. But remember, our podcast is sponsored by AT&T, mobilizing your world. So we'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you soon.